Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the podcast studio. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective, enjoying the best the life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks. And today... That awkward age Is between awkward? <laughs> childhood and adulthood uh-huh. and riding bikes. And John looks like, screw you, man. <laughs> Don't you put your images on me. <laughs> Don't you project your childhood onto me. Hold up. I, uh, thought, uh, I thought you were talking about me when you said awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Armando's here, too. <laughs> that, that, um, <laughs> so, so, wait. Hold up. I, is Aaron the man? Like, Oh, shit. Yeah. Right? The, wait, is is it okay if I swear in front of your kid? I believe that is okay. Okay, yeah, uh, maybe I, I should agree. ask. Is is it okay if I yeah. swear in front of yeah, you? Yeah, it's yeah, it's okay. Okay, all right. Well, oh, I, was, wait, I so let's go back to this. Well, we're 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 putting all of our thoughts and wisdoms on on John Luke here. Right? Does that make us the man? Oh, right. Yes. I'm trying I'm to remember pro- back to when I was all... twelve or thirteen. You can't. Yeah, you can't project onto me the man do you feel projected upon john luke not particularly oh okay oh, okay you're not right. the man you could be but <laughs> but you're not <laughs> good aaron still can uh wear his punk rock vest anywhere right. he wants I don't to. Have to i don't have to give it up i don't have to retire it in the rafters yet <laughs> john luke armando welcome to the studio today thank you and also a um Belated welcome to Amelia, who was not able to make it for this recording. Hi, Mimi. You. <laughs> Tell us, uh, what is Amelia off to this evening? She's working. She's sitting. She's got a sitting gig tonight. Nice. Well, we'll we'll get her on the show here sometime soon. Uh, in the meantime, how have you been, John Luke? How have you been, Armando? Good. Yeah, it's been awesome. Had an awesome weekend. Great spring-like weather. Good deal. Yeah, it's been uh, just about seventy ish today. Yeah, but right that, that crazy fire. Where, did you guys yeah. see that? No, crazy tell fire? us about it. I had to drive. Yeah, to I bet. Yes. What's going on? I heard. So I I've been giving up, uh, or I I've been trying to limit my access to Twitter recently, and so it's kind of this like new re exploration of what it means to not know what's happening in the world. <laughs> uh, so please fill me in. What's happening with the Killingsworth fire? Well, you know how Portland has always kind of mirrored uh, Springfield on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, Matt Groening was from here. And well, there's like a lot of r- street names are yeah. also character mm-hmm. names mm-hmm. on, on uh, The Simpsons. <clears throat> well, on The Simpsons, there was this kind of running side gag called the, the uh, Springfield Tire Fire. Mm. And I think finally... Instead of uh, art imitating life, life is now imitating art. Mm-hmm. And now Portland has a Springfield tire fire. What? <laughs> yeah. No way. It, it was a auto salvage yard with many tires caught mm. on fire. And, Damn. Um, last I checked, it was still burning. Yeah. Well, tires <laughs> tend to take a they, little while to They go. burn forever. Yeah, yeah. No way. So that's interesting. We can't really smell it here at the studio, but it's is it up. Just a f- bit further north there, then? Um, uh, 75th and Killingsworth. Okay, so... If, uh, out, out actually, there, like, right across the street from Gardner's, so if you know where that is. I, I don't. Uh, oh. 
Yeah, very special meat market. Okay. Like, oh yes, for, for like a butcher, meat. like yep. a butcher yeah. meat market. It's a red red building. <laughs> yeah, not the not the pejorative of. Yeah. <laughs> Shucks. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully that gets put out soon. I suppose it's kind of hard to dump water on rubber. Actually, I'm not sure about that interaction, but uh, what? I don't know what they're doing to put it out. But... Okay. Maybe just let it burn. Yeah, I think it was water. No, they tried to get it out because of the toxic smoke. A lot of, uh, they actually uh, evacuated, they evacuated people a within schools. a mile yeah. circumference of it, and wow. schools got evacuated. Wow. So we, we're not done with our fires here in the Portland area yet, it seems. Wait, was there anybody with a smoke bomb hanging around the tire, <laughs> the tire store? I mean, just, just checking for a friend. That I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, what else is new with you in this week, Aaron? As you take a bite of cookie. <laughs> Everything's good. Everything's good. You... <laughs> I just put Aaron on the spot here. I just spit up. That's because I wanted to have a, a drink of this delicious beer, mm. which I'll talk about soon. All right. Um, well, I'm finally over my cold, so that's good. Yay. Kind of kind of took me out for a while. Uh, oh, guess what I did yesterday? You um, trapezed across the Willamette on a unicycle. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Actually, I just I floated down the Willamette in a barrel. Oh, nice! I wanted to uh, to do the whole Niagara Falls thing, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to travel. Yeah, so I just kind of put a barrel in the Willamette and said, "Ah, eh, good enough." Oregon Falls, yeah, suits suits it's the fine. bill. Yeah. How how tall is Oregon <laughs> Falls? It's like eighty feet ish, right around. Was oh, it that big? Is it? Oh, okay. it might be less even. Well, we should go get John a barrel. Luke, it and used find to be out. a thing where people would like get in a barrel and, yeah. and go down the, yeah. into Niagara Falls. Yeah, I heard about that in like second grade <laughs> or fourth grade, one yeah. of the grades. And what grade are you in now? Seventh grade. One of one of the grades. Yes. Does that hold interest to you? If somebody offered you a barrel trip down Niagara Falls, would you take them up upon it? Probably not. Okay. Why not? It's dangerous and. Uncomfortable oh, okay. in a barrel. I don't Fair know. You, you'd fit pretty comfortably in a barrel. If it's like big enough. Like a barrel with a bunch of cushions in it. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. It's like, hey, I got this moving blanket and this barrel. Going to give it a shot. I mean, people have successfully survived a trip down Niagara Falls in a barrel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not many of them, but people have. <laughs> More have not than have. But yeah, that, yes. that should be noted. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I you, didn't you actually. Leave. So let's clarify. I didn't actually like get in a barrel or in a body of water over the weekend. Darn. Uh, yesterday, I uh, rode with the Corvidai Bike Club. Oh yeah, for their yeah. Sunday night ride. Yes. Tell me how it went. Well, um, it went really well. It was a great day for it, um, and uh, it was also to benefit a women's shelter. Mm-hmm. Which name I can't remember now. I know it was mentioned on our show um, back when we had Corvidai in mm-hmm. the studio, and it, they were supplying um, basic supplies and, basic and sort supplies, of toiletries, toiletries um, hygiene products, hair et care, and hygiene products. Okay. And so the funny thing is, I was at a loss of what to get, what to get, hmm. what's a good idea to get, and and Anna, my loving partner, said you need to get. Feminine hygiene products. You need to get tampons because they're very expensive and they're always going to be in short order. Yep. And so I thought it was clever. I bought like five boxes and like filled my paneers with them. Mm-hmm. 
that was the number one item donated hmm. yesterday. And I kind of laughed the first couple times I saw it. And then I realized, like, because I also got kind of some dirty looks. Like, pe- maybe people thought I was laughing at tampons. Like, oh. ah, tampons. Oh, really? But really, I was laughing at the irony that I thought I was being all clever and buying these. Hmm. And really, everyone else is just a lot more hip than me. No, I... <laughs> and and Or not, not hmm. hip, but a lot more, like, hip to the knowledge that these things are expensive and always in short order. You know... It it also could be that word is finally getting out. You know, it it we might be at that point where um because it's been in the media relatively often I, I feel like, especially over the past five or so years. Um it, it could be that that saturation level of like, yep, we really do need feminine hygiene products. Maybe it's just hitting saturation. Yeah. And that could that could be I mean, I'm sure that would be great for um women's shelters, you know, across the board. So yeah, I'd say Right Good on. on you, yeah. yeah, right on. I mean, that's that's what folks are <laughs> folks are typically looking for, you yeah. Know, in addition to otherwise. Um. Oh yeah. So, uh, John Luke. Yeah, your dad's asking you to flip the switch there. <laughs> we're on air officially. We've <laughs> been we on are. air for four <laughs> minutes, some some amount of minutes, but now we're officially on air. How long was the ride? Um. So we met at two. Maybe started rolling out around two thirty. Did a couple of laps around the fountain. By the way, the fountain's gone. Wait, where did you meet? Uh, Peninsula Park. Okay. Up in North Portland. Um, so, you, I'm sure you've been there, Guthrie. Armando, you've been to Peninsula Park. Yes, what do you times. mean the fountain is gone? There's a fountain in the yeah. center of right, Peninsula right. Park. Uh-huh. Hmm. And, Pen- and Peninsula is just off of Deacon, right? Or am I thinking a different park? Uh, I think you're thinking of Woodlawn. Park. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I, might, I might not be familiar of, with that fountain then. It's the one with all the rose gardens, um, and it's off of Ainsworth. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I guess I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, I don't know if they take it out in the winter, like for for maintenance or or storage or whatever, but it's just a concrete slab there right now. Like all the hardware and the pipes and everything is, is just gone. That giant fountain? The big giant round one? Yeah. Wow. It's it's just like this round concrete slab. Anyways, anyone in the Portland area who might know where the fountain is, hmm. I would love to hear. <laughs> Do you think it's one of those things where every now and then people will steal famous statues or... Uh, the big one growing up in Salem was, and it might have just been for the scrap metal, but people would steal like the the fancy lettering off of new uh, subdivisions or stuff like oh, that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. If it's made of copper or it's some oh, sort yeah. of redeemable yeah, metal, I could see that. Um, that would happen from time to time. But there was a, I'm trying to remember, there was a state park. What was it like a year, year and a half ago, where somebody stole this relatively well known and and revered statue and it oh no and i'm not sure if it ever popped back up are do you recall that i remember it being stolen okay I don't remember it being recovered yeah i don't think what i heard that it? story i can't remember the exact name of the statue yeah it was at like a a park or or perhaps something somewhat close to the roadway uh and then all of a sudden one day it was gone i wonder if there's a uh 
new wave of fountain stealing going huh. on where it's just the natural progression of of taking I mean, things out of parks i don't i don't know what the pipes are made of i can't imagine it's copper or anything like really valuable mm. yeah hard to but say times are hard all over even steel is worth something yep it's true hey so what you drinking i am drinking a modern times beer the hoppy dank amber uh, and this is different from simpler times. This is, yes. Uh, modern times, most notably, taking over, well, they're based in California, but uh, recently moved into the space uh, that the Commons Brewery used to occupy. And it's a little hard to tell from the can. I'm not sure if this was one that was brewed in their main facility or if this was brewed here in Portland. Um, but do you know where I did find this wonderful beverage can? Um, would that be? Somewhere in the vicinity of Southeast Division and 12th. You are correct. The Beer Mongers. I did find this at the Beer Mongers. Um, and I, it was a busy night, so I wasn't able to ask Sean. But um, I would be curious if they already have their operations up and going here in town. Yeah. And uh, what, are, what are you having over there, Aaron? Oh, as always, I'm having a Lionheart Kombucha, the Raspberry Harvest. <laughs> And Armando, what exactly are you? I'm enjoying a Pelican Brewing Dirty Bird mm -hmm. Northwest India Pale Ale. And you had mentioned you were talking about Pelican a little bit earlier today. Oh, yeah. Someone asked me week? if I've ever been there. We were talking about the coast because okay. it was so nice out. Have you biked out towards the brewery at Pacific City? I did. I, I told them I did it when, um, one year I did the uh, Reach the Beach. Oh, nice. Excellent. What are you enjoying over there, John Luke? A nice cold glass bottle of water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so rocking the water. We bought a you, we bought a kombucha for you, but you don't seem to be enjoying it. I haven't tried it like, like thoroughly you yet. You to try to give it a swig. Not not to peer pressure you, yeah. but uh, <laughs> how, how oh, about gosh. that bottle yeah, there? This 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 takes a whole new level. <laughs> <laughs> If we Wait, if we cross the line, either, either of you step in and tell yeah, us. <laughs> I can't say we're peer pressuring him. Are we? Do you want to join us? I mean, Armando? by definition, we're not peers. Oh, oh yeah. I, hey, fair I, enough. I think he will. Uh, I think he will try it, but uh, we'll try it in his own time. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. As as always. Aaron's Aaron's uh, really enjoying that kombucha there. No, this cough just doesn't want to go away. Like that's always the thing that hangs on after a cold. Mm. Is is uh yeah is the cough and. It's always the worst. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Fortunately, a cough. Um, it's not a, like an allergy cough, though. That would be a different a different I avenue. I I assume not. I okay. don't think I have any allergies. Oh, lucky duck. Yeah, I was I always figure with our first day of seventy degree weather here in Portland, um, that's when all of the pollen comes back to play. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm like slowly over time getting more allergic as each year uh. progresses. Which is a lot better than just showing up and being to that allergic. effect. Like you stay in the Pacific Northwest long enough, you begin to get like mm -hmm. seasonal allergies. Yeah, allergies in in general work sort of in in that fashion. So it it'll get to me hardcore one of these years, um, and then I'll just have to find Eastern Oregon or something like that. So we'll figure <laughs> it out there. What are you allergic to, Jean Luc? Uh, mostly like the pollen in the air. Have you felt anything today? Not. Not really. Oh, good. Okay. Not yet. Pollen, pollen was actually low today, but there's something else because that uh, was something else in the air setting me off today. So, is it 
uh, tire smoke? It's not. It, it <laughs> might be. Uh, I'm allergic to a lot of things. Uh, tree mold is a big one, though. Hmm. Wow. If it's not pollen. Gotcha. Does that make it hard to go camping? No, I just take my uh, uh, allergy meds. It <laughs> okay. should be okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, so on, on the subject of allergies, do you find, Jean-Luc, that, um, writing is more difficult with allergies? It's usually like in the summer is when it's the best time to ride, but that's also like the worst time for allergies. I don't find it more difficult. It's just like, it's like a nuisance, but it's not too bad. Yeah. What do you do to cope? wash my face and like take a towel and like put it right up to my eyes hmm. sometimes it works yeah right on good deal i uh i should try that towel trick the next time it gets me down I've, i'm not used to dealing with it so i'm I've, i don't know all of the strategies yet so i'm happy for any advice you may have <laughs> uh, getting back to the corvidae yeah. club ride how was the turnout for that um, I think there was like close to 50 of us at the beginning and maybe around 20 of us towards the end. Mm -hmm. Um, a few of us peeled off, uh, tanks, brake cable snapped. <gasps> no. Yeah. It's so, tank okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tink totally rolls with it. Uh, was able to, using the, able to the, recover the, the there. shoe brake. Oh at, yeah. Totally. At one point. Good old BMX but, trick. Uh, we stopped at, at the, uh, um, CCC. Mm-hmm. And got a new brake cable for that. Oh, nice! Yeah, was it like the whole the whole ride? Because that's that that's the deal with the rides, right? It's no person left behind. Right. No yeah. rider left behind. No, yep. Uh, it's a no drop ride, and so we all waited at the CCC while mm -hmm. Tink replaced the brake cable. And nice. Yeah, that's that's some good camaraderie there. No, it was cool, and like that gave people the opportunity to like run over to the corner store down the street, mm -hmm. grab some snacks and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. Did was, the ride stay pretty much up in northeast there, or did it? Uh, no, around? it went all over. It, okay, it uh, crossed Interstate Avenue a couple times, which is you know kind of a busy avenue. Oh yeah, it, definitely. Uh, um, yeah, went all over the northeast for a while, and then into like the inner southeast. We even picked up a couple couple people along the way. Oh, nice. Yeah, Where, was it just folks sort of riding along? That yeah, and I was like, oh hey, I saw you guys riding. Oh, John Fritz. John who's Fritz. been on the show. Oh, okay. Um, oh, nice. Joined the, yeah, joined the, the ride for a little while. He's like, yeah, I was on my way to France, and you guys happen to be going the same direction. Nice. So I'll ride with you guys. That's that's so nice about the summer rides, too, is like when you're not just like hunkering down trying to get to where you happen to be going, it's so much easier to just tag onto things. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. hey, what do I have to lose? It's a great freaking day. And go with it. Was that when you ran into Jane? Yes. Okay. And then I tried to... Give her your patch, but then couldn't find it, and I had lost the ride. <laughs> I was like uh, feeling the pressure of having to like catch back up mm -hmm. on a no drop ride. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> hey, let's. Them, hey, everybody, <laughs> do do fifty people want to wait while Aaron fishes a patch right. out of his bag here? Well, I I I told them go on without me. I'll catch up. You know, I was not going to make the whole group wait. Oh while yeah, I did that. <laughs> but I did feel like on some level they they. Like the couple of people in the back were gonna like slow down, uh -huh. but I wonder. I feel like that could be um, like a multi-genre filmed by bike submission. 
is taking the concept of a no drop ride to its utter to, extreme. Oh yes. Yeah. Just like, Oh, Hey, I uh, just noticed you sleep in there. Are you going to be coming back on that ride? Come Cause we're, yeah. we're all, we're all in your art, all in your room waiting for you. Uh, our bikes are in the kitchen. Hope you don't mind. Also, we made ourselves some toast, so take your time, but, uh, let's get going. <laughs> I like this. I like this idea. Uh, yeah, so it went pretty well there then? Yeah, uh, we ended up at the Veracat statue. Oh, um, yeah. You know, in the East Bank Esplanade. We, we never covered that in news. We did not. We no. did not cover... I was even thinking about that at that time. Like, mm-hmm. We did not really do a Veracat's tribute. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's still time one, for that. One could be forthcoming, especially now that uh, the weather's getting nicer. Mm-hmm. More people will be visiting... Yeah. The Veracat statue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been kind of odd. Uh, well, so to fill folks in, uh, Veracats is, I, I, I feel like as somebody who's been in Portland recently, but talked with a lot of folks about her tenure, um, probably one of Portland's most fondly remembered mayors as far as mayors go. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit of feather ruffling here and there, but generally speaking, well regarded. And also Portland's longest serving mayor from oh really yeah nineteen ninety three to I believe two thousand and four two thousand five or what? or two thousand one it's wow. one of those one of those dates in there <laughs> I, I do know the tenure was the longest I don't know the exact length of such um, but yeah as as to my knowledge our longest serving mayor within Portland that is awesome yeah oh yeah, yeah. oversaw a lot of stuff through through the nineties and early two thousands there. Uh, Vera Katz very unfortunately did pass away earlier this year. Yes. So um, many folks in public planning, but then also, I would I, I would guess all other circles of Portland uh, will be sort of still absorbing that loss as we make our way through this year. It's been interesting, uh, I guess, in in more direct line to what I do is we we talk a relative amount about Vera Katz sort of impact on the city of Portland uh-huh. as we take folks around town for cycle rides. Oh, right. Um, and so it's it's kind of odd changing like, oh, yeah, and she's like doing this and doing great to like, oh, yeah, shit, like that's that's a bummer. That's, yeah. She will be missed. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe we could do like a little a little mini tribute or something like yeah. that. Ooh, we're, we're observing. Wait, a- did you try it? Did yeah. you have some? Did you sneak yeah. some kombucha without us? Yep. How was it? It it was okay. Uh, it's really carbonated. Yes. More than I thought it would be. Ah. Are you a fan of carbonation in general? Um, I like certain things that are carbonated. Like uh, lemonade. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Like San Pellegrino's. Oh, yeah. Those definitely. Are good. What's your favorite flavor? Uh lemon I okay would say. yeah because they do they do <laughs> I, no i was just curious um because like sometimes i burn out on the lemon so i'll go over into the pomegranate and such mm-hmm. yeah that's a good fizziness there i would say uh we were we were talking uh at the bike shop a little bit about how kombucha is easy to make but also definitely in that acquired taste pool do you do you find yourself after your first sip wanting to continue your kombucha journey or do you think you're think you're okay for today I think I'm okay for today. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll gift you a scoby and uh, you, you can go experiment <laughs> on your own. A, a scoby is what is required to make a kombucha. I always uh... <laughs> it's like a it's like a fizzy tea bag. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. You get to like stick it in a jar, preferably in a dark space like your closet, 
and then you forget about it and you come back sometime later and ta-da kombucha ta-da and if you wait too long it's ta-da mold but uh we won't we won't go that far either way it's gonna smell awful <laughs> do you think uh kombucha do you think the smell is the primary like turn off or turn on for people it's the primary turn off for me interesting why i don't make it oh um, okay I I know like it's so much cheaper to make than it is to buy, hmm. but but it's so damn tasty. Oh, when yeah. other people make it, <laughs> yeah, like they this tastes amazing. But um, I've lived with people who've made kombucha, and like there's always like one drawer or or part of a closet mm-hmm. that is reserved for the kombucha. Yep, and. After a while, you just you just don't go there. Okay. You know, you don't open that that cupboard. You don't open that drawer. You know. Oh, that's reminding me of a a college story coming back here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where we we too had that kombucha closet. Uh huh. And eventually, the smell got to be so bad. Um next to the pantry and, and sort of where this closet was uh, that we finally went through and cleaned stuff out because you were like, all right, this is just ridiculous. You know, like, why why are we putting up with this? Right. It was it was after that point that we found out the dead rat also in the oh! closet. <laughs> oh! So a bit of a, a, a lesson learned there. Yeah. If your kombucha oh, starts to smell oh, like man. dead rat, maybe it's just a dead rat. <laughs> I'm sure the kombucha was fine. Somebody probably tried it. <laughs> Maybe the dead rat. Yeah, maybe the dead rat. <laughs> exactly. Gosh, I hope not. Um, yeah, kombucha. Fun times. <laughs> what else have you been up to this week? Um, that seems about it. I've mostly been recovering and then giving my cold to Anna, mm-hmm. who's bounced back a lot quicker than I have. Um, I think some of it is by necessity she doesn't get as many sick days as i do oh gotcha also you don't really have a choice you're just quote not sick i get weekends too yeah Yeah. definitely Um, and you also after trying my best to be a good partner and and uh do for her as as she has done for me while i'm sick find that is is a little bit more difficult than i thought it would be how so (laughs) um i'm i've I realize I'm just not good at at like that's it's not true. I'm I am good at caring for people, but I, I'm not good at that was at kind at of reading. your job for a while. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at reading what people need. Oh, okay. Um I I keep expecting her to tell me like what she wants. And of course like she's like, ah, I don't want anything. Don't mm. go don't go to any trouble. And on some part that's true, but then on another part I do feel like I need to you know, make some kind of effort. Hmm. Do you think, um, do you I've been that... scrambling a lot of eggs? Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's just like taking care of the small stuff, <laughs> right? Making sure the food gets made. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be directly proportional. It's just like taking on a bigger share or a bigger portion of what's would already be happening throughout right. normal. I guess that's the whole, I guess that's the whole thing in a nutshell, but, um, that's interesting. Cause you, you too had expressed that weird sort of waxing and waning as somebody who was sick, uh, about you, you also have very specific feelings yes. about being sick too. Yes, I have a I have a hard time being cared for as oh. well. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a a natural thing that a lot of people that give care to others they they like so oftentimes people are so good at caring for anybody but themselves. Um, yes. So you find these incredibly caring individuals who just won't take the time of day 
to uh to do themselves proper as well in that yes. care department yes well it, did it work out i think so okay yeah i mean she went to work today and um yeah i don't know <laughs> okay i think so <laughs> yeah hey good deal good deal for your um job you also i i heard got an interview uh well I, yeah or should I, we talk are we allowed to talk about that I, I guess I just don't think anyone would think it's interesting. Oh. <laughs> Everybody's just screaming at their podcast right, right now. Um, They're like, "Get to Armando!" So, so I put in a promotion. John Luke, put in drink promotion. more kombucha. Let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, I put in for a promotion. Got interviewed. Interview went great. Um, and so now I'm like kind of trying out being radio dispatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two people that. According to what was told to me, anyways, uh, there were two people that uh, really outshined everybody, uh, me and one other guy. And so, so you're in contention. Yeah, so they're just trying the both of us out and seeing uh, which one w- might be a better fit in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. yeah, I like the I like the deal you struck up too. The the, the yes. offering the other person dinner always always a very classy move yes. when two two are in competition. And also, like whoever whoever does get the job is going to do everything in their power to make sure the other person gets in there soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everybody pulling pulling each other to, <laughs> yes. the, to the top. So, so you wouldn't be driving anymore. I would not. Okay. Maybe. Probably not. You'd be calling the shots. <laughs> yes, I did. I did uh, on my first try on Friday. I did ask a driver to go back and return a cell phone that was left on his bus. Oh, okay. And he's like, well, that's going to put me a half hour out. (laughs) And to be fair, the decision was made above my head. But I did have to inform him. Yeah, yeah. Of the bad news. That's kind of one of those, like, it it hurts at first, but then like a month in, I feel like you definitely sit, you get into that, like, yeah, not my job. Like, yep. this, this is where you need <laughs> to go. These decisions are made above my head. I am the mouthpiece of a greater, greater good. <laughs> go ahead, kill the messenger. <laughs> go for it. I'm sitting here at the radio station. Have you ever had to deliver bad news, John Luke? Um, not really. Lucky. You did today. Yeah, I, I lost a glove, <gasps> but I lost it at school, so it's somewhere in the building. Are you a fan of the labeling system for personal articles of clothing in mm, in in school? Not really. Okay. So there's a so, there's a chance but maybe not a good one. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It's actually funny they have a a lost and found bin. And they, I don't know how these people like l- lose something and don't retrieve it, but like there's What is the oddest thing in the lost Oh, and it's found not bin? that it's just odd, it's just that it's like their lunchbox or their jacket. And it's like, how do you go without that? Mm. Do you have like a hundred jackets or a hundred mm-hmm. lunchboxes? They and the worst want, is... They didn't want the jacket. Well, the, the worst place, is the lunchboxes right? because right. their lunch or part of their lunch is still mm-hmm. in it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Then it starts yeah. really stinking. Well, yeah. And it, there also might be like medication or some other thing in there that it would make sense to preserve the whole portion of that. Right, but it, I guess only until it starts rotting. There shouldn't be medication because there should be lunch. officially oh, that yeah. has to be turned into the office. Hey, guess who a... hasn't gone to school in a little while? Here. <laughs> I get to say that now. Well, officially, okay. I mean, there may be there may be medication in there. Oh yes, yes, we we won't go down that particular. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. So so funny you brought up lost and found. I had a pretty 
excellent lost and found experience this week. Um, I was actually going to pick up beer at the Beer Mongers at South Southeast Division and Twelve. You bet you, absolutely. Um, so I was riding back and I was riding over the Hawthorne Bridge and at first I had thought there was just this tarp in the bike lane where they just did some resurface treatment or some surface retreatment on the westbound exit of the Hawthorne. Riding by it, I noticed it was a very, very expensive Arcteryx jacket that happened to be just chilling out in oh, the bike dang. lane. Yeah. yeah. So of course I was pulling over and I was like, well, shoot, um, that's here. And, and the first thing you do is, uh, wonder like well is somebody else like also in my immediate vicinity trying right. to get their jacket back so i hung around for a tiny bit and ended up not seeing anyone so i um went gently through the pockets just to try to see if there was some id or something oh, like yeah, that yeah. um and there were a couple of personal items but for the most part it seemed like you know your, your typical outerwear no wallet in the pocket or anything like that nothing identifying exactly yeah. yeah it could be this could be anybody's jacket um so i went on reddit when i got home and craigslist and i posted and then at, at about four in the morning somebody got in touch and was like holy fucking shit how did you find my jacket uh so i got their jacket back to him uh, oh nice. nice yeah that next morning Yay. and they were like cool uh because those happened to be the only keys to my office, and we were about to blowtorch ourselves in. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, lost and found. There's there's hope for humanity, or at least if I see your jacket on the uh, Hawthorne westbound exit, I, I'll generally try my best to get it back to you. Speaking of lost keys, mm. I had loaned the keys out to this trailer mm-hmm. um, because uh, StreamPDX did an event uh, where we moved the trailer to uh, on-site, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you can find all of the fun things that happened there on streampdx.org. Mm. But um, one thing we didn't take into account is that the ball hitch also has a padlock on it. Oh, does it? Yes. Well, it That did. must have been fun. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, I don't have the keys for that padlock. Uh, and apparently nobody could remember who has the keys for that padlock. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So one of the first things that Parecki had to do was go to a hardware store and get some bolt cutters oh, wow. and a new lock. Yep. Yep. That's funny. But you made it work. Yeah. Yeah. What was the event? You know, it escapes my mind right now and I feel terrible that I don't know. But also I have been so busy that I was not involved at all other than loaning my keys out that's okay <laughs> we we contribute what we can yes so armando i wanted to ask you have you been on any good rides this week with the weather as it is because i know that you have the weekends off correct <laughs> correct i can't remember okay. i don't know oh. yeah, I mean, yesterday i tooled around a little bit uh, a friend of mine uh well actually I, a friend of mine we went to gladys she was gonna look into getting a new new set of bars for her bike a new cockpit probably and as she was making an appointment for a fit she looked on the wall and saw a tokyo bike and she's like, oh, my gosh, I love that bike. What's a Tokyo bike? It is a, a city bike. It's a Japanese city bike and uh, beautiful, beautiful colors. And they have a Met Gladys. And she saw that. That was I knew she was going to buy it. And she did. She bought the bike. And so that was pretty fun. She got a new bike and we rode around a little bit. Uh, so that was pretty fun. And then we went back yesterday because she actually went to pick, pick her. Uh, she has a surly long haul trucker for her daily commuter. And with the rain coming Damn up. Right. She didn't want to ride her new bike in the rain. Oh, yeah. 
No, wait, didn't want to ride a surly in the rain? No, no, no that's no, that's her the, daily commute. Oh, the, okay. The I was Tokyo like, bike. why wouldn't you want to ride a surly <laughs> no, 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 in the rain? The Tokyo bike. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's I'm not, on your page now. It's her summer bike. It's, you know, there's no fenders on it gotcha. and all that kind of stuff. So. Do you have yeah. a summer bike, Jean-Luc? I had one, I would say. I used it to commute to school and back for a while. But uh, I don't use it right now. I'm using... The different one, a different one, like the Breezer. Yeah, the Breezer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a daily commuter. Which, wait, which Breezer is it? The Liberty, I Rhino. think. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it the Liberty with the belt drive or the, the chain train driven chain driven Liberty? I think it's the uh, chain driven one. Okay. That's a cool bike. I uh, If I had a commuter bike, that's actually the bike I would go for. <laughs> I guess my Surly is a commuter bike, but my Surly is like the Swiss Army <laughs> knife of bikes. Yeah, yeah. In, um, in the truest sense of the word. <laughs> Speaking of Breezer, though, my younger brother, who's been using the Honolulu bike share okay, uh, for a long time now, probably over a year, I uh, was looking into bikes, and <clears throat> he really, he really uh, fell in love with the Breezer... Uh, shoot, I can't remember the name of it. You're now. good. It's one of the cafe series. Okay. That they have, like the Round Town Cruiser. Yeah. Well, kind of a, a speedy cruiser okay. kind of thing, or speedy commuter maybe. Gotcha. Sporty commuter. Um, but there's no Breezer dealer on the island. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. No, he, um, I kind of turned him on to Breezer because Clever's a, mm-hmm. a dealer. Um. And, and so, like, yeah, he just, he really liked it. He wrote a few Surleys, and he really likes the Surleys, too, but mm-hmm. um, they're really expensive on island. Is there a Jamis dealer in Hawaii? I imagine that there is. Okay. I couldn't tell you right off the bat. Okay. Just interested, I guess, but... um, because of the two brands that compete with each other, I feel like Jamis is also right in that. Oh, yeah. Like, the, for, every Bre- for every bike that Breezer makes, there's a Jamis bike that's pretty that's darn pretty close. That's pretty similar. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, maybe there is. Um, I know Surly and Brompton both have dealers on the island because um, those were two that I was like trying to get him into. Mm-hmm. Of course, like you know, Bromptons are just amazing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't use my connections. This, I guess maybe couldn't the, couldn't the put right the little because, inroads yeah, in. Yeah, whisper in ears. Yeah, sh- shaking hands behind back doors. <laughs> We we all know how that goes, and for those that don't, uh, come work at a bike shop for a few, <laughs> or, or 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 get some get, really good friends some at a bike really shop, close friends, super close shop. friends. Yeah, that uh, that that special special friendship is is. That said, I came under some fire recently. Oh, really? From my from my uh, my partner, lady friend, because I paid retail for some bike parts. Mm. That. Is interesting. What what are what are your thoughts on that? Um, or, and this is open to anyone. Uh, so so people who have, I guess what? Let me frame this. I've I've seen recently uh, a surge in support for bike people also paying full price to other bike people, and I haven't decided like how I feel about it yet in terms of like yeah you should totally like uh, you know take the associated you know pluses and minuses of your given profession. Um, and in some sense, it's all like in the family, so to speak. Uh, but then also we all, we all have to eat too. Yeah. You gotta uh, eat, you gotta eat and I gotta eat. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Do you have, do you have thoughts on that or? 
Well, so I'm of two minds. Okay. And and on one hand, yeah, you got to eat and I got to eat. And, like, things aren't getting any cheaper, and yet my wages stay the same. Mm. Um, but in the meantime, money is power, and... Yeah, the, you you have a certain power with your money. You have a certain say in in what or who who gets fed. We're taking in we're the various taking in the various ways here. that you spend your money, or like mm-hmm. what you value in the ways that you spend your money. Yeah, yeah. Um, at it at its basic, money is a, a means for an exchange or a, a I guess transition of value. Yeah, yeah, and so. Before I fell in love with somebody who works at a bike shop, I would always consider myself like kind of friend of all bike shops and mm-hmm. like kind of rotate with some frequency of, of more some bike shops more than others, but kind of rotate my money around. And if I got a discount like for, you know, oh, yeah, I've seen you in here a long time. You're like, let's give you 10% off or, mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, that's a bonus, but I would never expect that. Yeah. Um, I think if you go into a shop and expect a discount. You're regardless, walking in under the wrong assumptions. Right. Regardless of how long you've been there. Yeah. I mean, I I love Clever. I They've treated me very well, and and I I think they're wonderful people, and I will definitely you know, sing their praises and, and shop there as much as I can. But I would never go in there expecting any kind of discount. Sure. You know, family yeah. or cool guy discount or whatever. Yeah. It's you know. a, it's a, it's not a good presumption, I guess. Or, or yeah. Yeah. I, I see where you're yeah, coming and, from. And I think there's, there's a little too much of that, especially with bike people who like have been around. Okay. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just what I see, or maybe it's just my perspective. But I I do feel like a lot of people don't like paying retail, and mm. I I get that. But also in the meantime, you gotta keep the lights on, mm-hmm. and bike shops have a profit margin for a reason. Yep, they gotta keep their employees paid. They gotta keep their lights on. Yeah, and it's especially important to I think in in the context of bike shops being a traditionally like lower income type of industry i guess compared to like a doctor or or other right. example um i mean there's certainly specialization an auto mechanic versus a bike mechanic sure yeah i mean there's definite specialization within the field but generally speaking um you're, you're not going into the bike industry because you're trying to rake in the dough okay. um you're going in because you're interested and maybe you want to help people or get more people into it like there's there's those ulterior uh motives and so when it comes to cost um yeah i've I've too found that interesting sort of a dichotomy between uh wanting to pay a full price paying full price and um wanting to get discounts otherwise but i've I've noticed that as bike shops also try to provide for their employees um you know there's there's some really great places that you know you've got your health insurance you've got etc and especially with the margins that bike shops get it's really hard yeah. to add those in and yeah. and you know absolute you know kudos to those who can but you're it's not considered a standard within the bike industry i, I would certainly say maybe maybe some parts of the portland bike industry mm-hmm. um but overall um paying full price is what helps those happen right interesting do you have any thoughts on bike discounts or or uh the 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 
slightly discounted culture? Not being in the bike industry, I try to purchase things if I can initially used mm-hmm. or, or from friends or Craigslist yeah, or totally or city bikes or any of the places that sell used. That's yeah. that's where I start to make it workshops. But when you but also not being in the bike industry, I don't believe the profit margins are very huge. So even even if you were to ask for it, I don't know. I would never ask for a discount. But mm. I, I mean, I understand the cost of business. For the bike shop. So I don't have, if I have to pay something retail, it doesn't bother me if I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I know I have to do that. Gotcha. What if it's new cranks in a bottom bracket? So if I'm doing repairs, I don't even question it because I right can't on. do that. That's not, that's <laughs> yeah, not me. Yeah. I can't do that. I don't have the tools for that. I don't have the experience for that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> what, what, wait, what's, what's the perfect quote on your t-shirt that you, that you brought up earlier? The perfect quote. Oh, I think it relates to fixing your own problems <laughs> oh, in the bike know. industry. I don't know. You have to tell me. I can't read my own oh, shirt. Good. That's, <laughs> so that's Brock's quote. Brock has a... Go ahead and read it. Uh, it says, 45 minutes alone is cheaper than 15 minutes with a professional. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just not down for 45 minutes worth of fiddling. Oh, if it were 45 minutes, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like those, those, uh, those shops. And it, it's not even just bike shops. It's like... Um, repairs are you know fifty dollars if you do it yourself first at seventy five. Yep. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. There's definite definite bike shops um that I've seen on occasion that it's like yeah if you if you bring this to me like I'm gonna charge you more. I I also don't know if I agree wholly with that. Like I understand the the pinnings or the underpinnings of that type of um going about that, but then also at the same time like. I'd kind of rather have the business that I have than like push away or outprice somebody who doesn't because technically, I mean, like if you're in a one horse bike shop town, that might work. Um, but if there's alternatives, I typically people will go for those alternatives. So I, yeah, I'd be curious to hear from any, anybody that's had experience with that in terms of what, what that's actually played out as. Well, and, 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 it, and to me, you're not just paying for the parts or the labor to get your, your bike fixed. It's, you're paying for the knowledge of that person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this person's going to have the knowledge to explain to you your brake pads. They're okay now, but you're going to need to replace them in probably two to three months with the winter weather that we're having. Something yeah. like, I mean, somebody that can tell you that that's what you're paying for. It's not just, mm. you know, your $12 brake pads or whatever they cost. Interesting. You're paying for that knowledge that they can tell you. Okay. Yeah. These are just still good. Or are the tires, the tread on your tires is great. You know, you've got at least, you know, a few hundred more miles out of them or huh. or, you know, I I had a, my crank fell off. And so I took it in and they put it back on and it's like, well, let's try this first. And if it works, then it works. And if not, we'll order a new crank. Hmm. And it worked. And so it's like those kind of things. It's like, you know, I, and I wasn't even charged for that. So mm-hmm. uh, those are the kind of things, you know, you create a relationship with the bike shop <laughs> that you go to. Mm-hmm. And sort of like with Aaron, I like to um, I mean. I don't know if I get my repairs done at a bunch of different shops, but I do shop at a bunch of different shops and okay. try to spread it, spread money around where yeah. I'm buying things from. Yeah. And that movement in particular, I think with the buy where you ride, um, that at least had sort of a Northwest presence. I'm not sure how far that reached, but the concept of um, supporting local bike shops or supporting multiple local bike shops. Um, in Portland, it was due to a pretty horrific snow season last year, coupled oh, yeah. with some really... Uh, 
prolific wildfires during the summertime. Oh, like yeah. it was, yeah. it was, uh, in, in terms of getting people outdoors on their bikes, it was a little bit difficult this past year in Portland. So I think a lot of shops are still kind of, uh, negotiating those realities, I guess is how I'd put that. Um, I think, yeah. Cause even cycle Oregon was canceled due to yep. wildfires due to the smoke. Yeah, yep, indeed. So all of that, all of that definitely factors in and makes a difference. It's really interesting to me that you talked about the knowledge component of it because I've, it's, I've hadn't quite realized that that has such intrinsic value until you actually just said that. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah? Where, oh yeah. Well, so, cause my approach to it and like I do a bunch of repairs at the bike shop and such it's, it's, I always viewed it as more of a personality thing where it's like, yeah, I do want you to know about this because I think it would be helpful for you to have that information to be able to make a good decision somewhere down the road. Like I would be doing a disservice to you as, as Guthrie, as my person, uh, ah. to not tell you that, um, as opposed to like any any uh, like bike shop policy on on like friendliness or or, or otherwise. Yeah, but if you have the knowledge, mm-hmm. you're you're going to do that. But yeah. if you don't have the knowledge, you, you wouldn't. Know, yeah, then you wouldn't. No, and that and so, that just totally hadn't occurred to me in that oh, in that construct. Before. You know, somebody asked me recently. Oh, I got a new bike. I you know I got a new. I can't remember what kind of bike I got. I think it was some kind of Schwinn. Mm-hmm. And this woman, she got in Seattle. She's bringing it down here. She's like, where can I take it to get it looked? You know, to get her service. And it's like, well, what kind of Schwinn is it? And she told me, and and I asked my friends, hey, you know, they're like, I go, is it a three-speed or five-speed or single-speed? And mm-hmm. they're like, it's like, I don't really know. And they're like, well, if it's three-speed, take it to this person at this place, you mm-hmm. know, because it's a specific person that knows how to work on Schwinn three-speeds. Yeah. And not saying that it's super difficult and maybe any bike shop could do it, but if you know there's a bike shop with this guy that's, mm-hmm. you know, rebuilt three-speed hubs from Schwinn, you know, Archer Sturmy hubs, whatever, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to want to probably go to that person mm-hmm. who doesn't have to look something up on Google or. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's that value of being like, I could take it. I mean, like any bike shop could do this, or there's a bike shop that's done this 200,000 times and they're pretty damn good at telling which is what, when, where, and how. Right. I feel like that, <clears throat> that is something um, kind of specific to places with a lot of bike shops. Mm-hmm is that they're able to refer people to other bike shops. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we could fix this and it would take us a while, but this other person knows this type of yeah. bike a lot better Oh yeah, and would turn it around faster or, or mm-hmm. might even do a better job than we would. Yeah, I think it's also um, kind of like a subconscious level of or, or a component of good service is like yeah. knowing when you don't know something mm-hmm. and being comfortable enough and also self-aware enough to to state that to somebody um because that's like one of the biggest pitfalls is uh i I guess some people out of desperation or other people out of out of not necessarily having an easy time identifying it but taking on work or taking on a process that you're not intimate with or you're not set up to actually handle yeah um that's when you get into sticky situations (laughs) right (laughs) and it's it's kind of a balance too because you want to take on those types of projects in situations where you have a good relationship with a customer or you know that they're okay if it takes another day or two because you really want to get your you really want to dial it in yeah, for them yeah. um so there's certainly like compromise and there's there's room for growth in that section but um good example of this is an anytime somebody who comes in for a seat uh we've got the seats we've got and when we don't have the seats and and they don't want to order something it's like well 
no qualms given about sending folks over to Gladys because guess what? There just happens to be this really great resource in Portland, right. which will fit perfectly with your needs. You know, I mean, that, that kind of thing is easy Yeah, yeah. because uh, everybody gets what they want. Have you had any experiences with advice being handed down through bike shops or how, how involved are you in, in the maintenance of your of your bicycle? Uh, my bike doesn't really have a lot of problems since it's Yet. relatively new. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a breezer. You'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, my past bike, we took it to Velicol a lot mm-hmm. to get like tune-ups, fixes, repairs, anything that was needed. What do you drink at Velocol while your bike's being worked on? Um, water. <laughs> <laughs> did you know they have kombucha at Velocol? <laughs> yes, I on did. tap. Yes. <laughs> they might have they might have the 21 and over kombucha though. Oh, do they? <laughs> you know, I don't it, know. I it don't, I don't does it. seem Dad's to be kombucha. like a high gravity kombucha. Like I'll get a couple pints in. Is that why I like it feel. so much? Like every <laughs> maybe, time I have kombucha maybe. at Velocol. No, I, I've I've come to find like if I have a kombucha velocult, like it seems like I feel it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't drink alcohol, so I don't know what it's like to like get a buzz on mm. per se. And it's not just but... like tipping the uh, the whiskey <laughs> into it every time you right. go. look around, look over. Have you had pretty good uh, experiences with velocult? Enjoy um, hanging out there. Yeah. Uh, recently, there was someone playing music there, and my dad and I stopped by for some reason that I don't remember, but it was pretty enjoyable. There wasn't a lot of people, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah, it was one of the. I think it was an open mic or something similar to that, and cool. it was a musician. It's just a, a solo guitarist playing. Yeah, it was really good. Nice. Have you, or I guess uh, switching topics just, just slightly, are there any rides that you're excited about coming up soon? Or or do you do the, the Pedal Palooza, part of the, all the group ride experience? I, like what's your bike jam? I do a lot of Pedal Palooza rides with my dad and my mom when we get a chance to. But mm-hmm. uh, like soon, there's not many rides that I know about, so I don't know if I'm going to do any. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there is a ride that should exist but doesn't yet and if so what would that ride be well we discussed at my house there was this artist who drew things like with google maps they would take the lines and draw so like like huge like the ride would would like be draw something okay so my sister suggested that my dad should lead a ride where we draw something and then afterward we like show everyone a picture of what we just drew Wow, that's cool. Don't wait for your dad to do it. Go ahead and lead it yourself. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're coming up. They're coming up with Petapalooza rides. So that was one right. of the, you know, some, I think like on Thanksgiving, somebody rode like a, a turkey. A turkey, yeah. And then they posted on Strava. And was that in San Francisco, like Bay Area there? I can't remember okay. where it was. I'm wondering if I had, had run across so that. what are the designs that you're coming up with? We haven't really talked about any. But yeah, it's the more one, of a brainstorming right now. The one that we saw, I think, was Darth Vader. Oh, nice. Was it? Uh, I can't remember. Oh. Would you do a ride where you had your route crowdsourced and you had people vote on which turns to take and you were in charge of leading them through Portland on the whims of the masses? I, Yeah, I think I would do that. It, yeah? I mean, I think I'd have more fun like being a voter. Okay. If, 
but just controlling from yeah. behind and uh but that would be pretty fun but i think the only downside would be that if we go on a long ride and it's pretty long uh that i'd be farther away from my house so doing the ride would be fun but coming back <laughs> so it would have yeah. to have the yeah. stipulation yes. that that it comes back to your house I, yeah. I think, or ends, I would hope for that. ends somewhere near <laughs> transit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> John Luke has stumbled upon one of the keystones of planning a pedal palooza ride, <laughs> and one of the very the very reasons why um, some people do it in the first place is you get to decide where it ends if you're the one leading it, and that can be pretty nice at times. Yeah. You're, so you're not a fan of getting stuck out on the end of a ride that ends up in a different area of town. No, not because well. I don't have a specific reason, but I just am not a fan of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, has there been a ride where, like, you got to the end and you were like, oh, great. Now I have to bike, you know, two, three, five miles all the way back to my house. And what ride was it? Um. Well, I don't remember any specific ride, but it's happened a lot before. We did a small group <coughs> ride. With my sister and my dad and some friends, some people, the K-pop ride. And, oh, that's- oh, the K-pop ride. Yeah, yeah it was pretty yeah. fun, but I got really tired. Uh-huh. And then I was like, we were in like lads around there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to have to go home. Right. So you have to get up and over the, well, do you, you guys live above the Alameda Ridge, right? No, no, we live in Hollywood. Oh, we don't okay. have to go through. So not quite. Yeah, not, not quite. quite. But it's still an. Yeah, I'm trying to remember ride. how. I mean, that ended. We ended up going to get food. The food carts. At the food carts, right there on Hawthorne and and twelfth, thirteenth, whatever that is. I don't remember what happened after that. Hmm. Um. Well, we got our food. And we then... ride home from there. Did you just camp out? Decide to like take a nap right there. Spend uh, the night. No, we rode home after that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did. I think we rode home. But with, I think there was one. Uh, we did one of the southeast, oh, or the Milwaukee. It was the southeast Milwaukee uh, oh, Sunday Parkways. Sunday Parkways, yeah, Milwaukee. That was, and uh, it was pretty out there. Yeah. And we rode. It was a pretty long ride after at the end of that. Yeah. How was like, how was the end of that? Um, well, we went around the circle, like the Petapalooza circle, like the loop, and we got like halfway through it where we were meeting my sister's friend, and then we turned back. So I, yeah, we were, but we were like at what park were we at when we i think it was uh eastmoreland yeah it was eastmoreland so or westmoreland i don't know it was one of the two so <laughs> moreland central moreland <laughs> yeah we got really tired there yeah. was this there's this giant hill that goes down uh-huh. like pretty long a couple of blocks long really steep and so my sister and i took the bus home nice <laughs> there's this bus stop really near it and we put our bikes on the front now my dad rode home on his bike because there's only two spots on the right. bus, and we Trying got off breaking up families, <laughs> literally. <laughs> in in so this particular case, we got up, got off at the bus stop. On it's on Duke, and so my sister and I go to get out, and we see my dad just right there with his bike. 
No way. You beat them? I yeah. beat them, yeah. Wow. So they, they were going to their mom's house, and it's like Duke and 50th, 53rd, okay. yeah. right around there. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I Yeah, you, know, you must have been hauling. I was not hauling. I'm, I don't ride fast. He was stuck behind two people. Yeah, huh. actually was going up the hill. I rode, you know. So when I ride and I get behind slower people, especially going uphill, it's like bike train. And mm-hmm. so ah, I just yeah, ride yeah. the same speed. So you have a bigger oh, group. Okay. Yeah. So and then they turned off and then I just kept going and I caught up to the bus. And then once it hit like uh, in that Woodstock area, you know, it slows down a lot. So yeah. I think that was what saved me. Do people like notice that a bike train is forming or or you see them turn off and and, and they look behind themselves and are like, oh, I, I've just started a movement here. I think they're more like, who's this guy behind me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've often wondered that because, I mean, like, on my commute in in the morning, you know, maybe one or two days a week, there's there's always that person who's almost going faster than you, and, and then they are, and then they're not. And you, you're always, yeah. like, sitting there, like, yeah. should I pass them? Should I wait? How close should I follow them to make it not awkward? Like, I'm not telling you. It's just that I can't. I don't feel like pedaling any faster than... You know, it's not worth it. It's not 2% worth it. I've, had, I've had a couple moments like that on the way to work oh, yeah? last year where, and it was the same person each time. <laughs> uh, hey, Bob. So, like, yeah, they must have thought I was a real creep. But um, they were going just fast enough where, like, oh, I don't want to hurry to like get past this person. Mm-hmm. So I'll just slow down a little bit and stay behind them mm-hmm. and, like, keep a respectable distance. But it's also, like, you know, 530 in the morning. So they're like, yep notice that i'm behind them the one other the cyclist yeah yeah the only other cyclist <laughs> in all of north portland at the morning and and we usually get to this was back when i was living near uh 60th and halsey um <clears throat> and we usually get to somewhere along alberta mm-hmm. you know so that's like three miles maybe mm-hmm. maybe two and a half i don't know but and I, I pretty much would be following them for two of those two and a half miles. Oh wow! You know, and you know, and, and they did, would eventually you ever just, just want to be like, over. "Hey, how are you doing?" No, they would just okay. eventually pull over and just, just go ahead and pass me. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't following no, like, a, like you weren't like a half foot behind him, were you, or something? <laughs> no, I was like you know a good three or four feet, you know, like keeping okay. a respectable distance. But uh, yeah, I think it's just the the idea of like, is this person mm-hmm. following me? Yeah, it's no, almost like you need this, to announce, right? Like, like hey, hey, I mean, you know how? Yeah, do do your thing. We're we're both we're like we're literally just heading the same direction. <laughs> cool. I yeah, I wonder what there is there. <laughs> like, um, I, I'm sure everybody feels different, but yeah. that's that's one of the things about commuting on Going Street too is uh, you you get your little like transects of life, mm-hmm. and and you sort of have like your regulars, and your regulars may be other riders, but also I've seen that your regulars may also be other people that interact along that corridor. And so there's yeah. always, there's always the guy on that one porch, like early morning smoking a yep. cigarette and you're like, yeah, hey, you know, like someone I, walking their dog. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you do it, you know, three, four or five times a week. And soon enough, you've got a nameless friend. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Well, we're going to wrap up our segment here. Um, Armando and John Luke, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to stick around or, or do we have, School and homework and all of those exciting things in life coming up this eve. I see a stern look come on. Oh no, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine sticking around. Oh. I'm fine sticking around. Okay. All right. Cool. I love, I love, I love, I love don't don't ever use that. Yes, actually, Tim Mooney's in town. He is. 
I yeah. checked my email. Um, my my pedal dream address had been down this week, and so I I'm just like getting threaded all of the things that my servers <laughs> decided not to send me this week. Um, but I think he was in. Is he still in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he, Tim. Hi, this Tim. Is an official apology. Oh no! I not another I apology could've... on the Sprocket <laughs> podcast. I'm just full of them. Uh, I should have asked you to come in today, but uh, I I just never got back to you. So I maybe tacitly asked you not to come in in a mm. way, but please take no offense. And next time you're in town, you are always invited. Yeah, on the Sprocket Podcast. Tim Tim's a stand-up fellow. He know he he knows he's always got a place here at the Sprocket. Yes. So on our calendar, the second Thursday of every month is the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The second Friday of every month is the Boston Bike Party. Also, the second Friday of every month is the, is the Indianapolis Bike Party. And every second Sunday of every month is the Corvidai Bike Club Ride. Yes, we just had ours, but next month you can join us if you are in the Portland area. Indeed. And I don't think it is on the calendar, but the Tuesday Ride. Oh, um, just a shout out to Tuesday Lex Soleil. Adventure. Yeah, Tink, I don't think it was on that one, um, and I didn't see Scotty as well, but um, had a really great time with you folks. I, I had a project I couldn't quite finish prior to the ride, so that's why I took off there. Um, but yeah, really love the company and uh, hope to join on a future full Tuesday ride. April 8th, Pedal Pursuit. April 14th, the Lads 500. Oh, are you guys going to be there? Yes. Are you going to be there, Jean-Luc? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> are you ready to do 500 laps around lads edition i don't think i'll do 500 but last time i did something around 75 for real 60 yeah oh, that's that. right it was just you two on a team yeah. last year uh, and chris it? oh and chris yeah. joined yeah. all right yes is that is that your team this year oh i'm right? trying to get more people this year okay. no we've got a bunch more people this year. i stole one of your angels i know <laughs> <laughs> On April 29th, we have the Monster Cookie Metric Century. Also on April 29th, the Yakima Valley Fondue. And May 16th in Santa Cruz, we have the Ride of Silence, courtesy of ride leader and listener Gregory Braithwaite. May 19th, the DC Bike Ride. June 2nd, the Gifford Gravel 50. This is a new ride to our calendar listing. Oh, And yes. the description for this ride is 56 miles, 7,000 feet of elevation. Um, it's a little bit sparse. I was checking around their Facebook page, but they do state that if you choose a smaller tire, please bring plenty of tubes, patch kits, and tire <laughs> boots because, quote, you will flat, all in caps. Uh, the ride oh, leader, that's awesome. <laughs> the ride leader says, I chose to do this ride. Oh, excuse me. I choose to do this ride on a 29 by 2.4 minimum and roll sometimes on a 29 by 3. Oh, uh, man. So if you were uh, feeling unchallenged by those average gravel rides around the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> show up to the Gifford Gravel 50. That's awesome. Um, June 23rd is the Petal. Petal. And August 29th is the Portland Century. <laughs> September 2nd, Tour de Lab. And September 22nd, the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Race in Lowell, Massachusetts. Yeah, and that was... And now for... Wow. 
What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. From City Lab, what Airbnb did to New York City? Awful things. It did. Terrible, awful things. Things were done. It did do things. Things were done. There are two kinds of horror stories about Airbnb when the home sharing platform first appeared. The initial cautionary tales tended to emphasize extreme guest and occasionally host misbehavior. But as the now decade old service matured to the number Wait, of rental it's 10 properties. Years old? Holy shit. Yeah. What what happened? <laughs> Time flies, man. I guess. A second genre of horror stories have emerged, one that focused <laughs> on what the service was doing to the larger community. By Air- the way, have you have you heard any like like um I don't want to say personal stories, hmm. but anything like around Portland in 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 this realm? I mean I think what is covered in this article, the factors at play in New York are certainly similar factors that yeah. affect Portland. Um, here and there, yeah. I mean, I've I've heard. I, I guess how I'd phrase that is, I've heard sentiment of similar. Okay. You know, it's always always hard to tie it down to strict facts, um, but I've certainly got a good dose of sentiment okay. about this. It says here, Airbnb is raising rents, taking housing off the rental market. It was supercharging gentrification while discriminating against guests and hosts of color. And as commercial that operators one I did took over. Yeah, that yeah. one's actually pretty common. Uh, as operators took over, commercial operators took over, it was transforming from a way to help homeowners occasionally rent out an extra room into a purveyor of creepy makeshift hotels. Hmm. Um, so I, I think I actually have had direct experience as a makeshift hoteler. As a creepy makeshift hotel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke. Um, the first place that I stayed in in India was partially very disorienting due to that. Uh, I think it was... Using Airbnb as... Yeah. Okay. Um, there was there was no like reliable place at 2 a.m. that I could find any type of check-in or such from the airport. Okay. And my original plan was to put my bike together and to ride out into the night, um, which visiting a second time, I think I would actually do. Uh, uh-huh. But visiting a first time just didn't seem like a great idea. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, 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 the closest lodging that I could find available between Airbnb and hotels was actually an Airbnb spot. Uh, but it looked like there was this whole like sub-business or sub-industry of building up hotel-like structures, but then using them explicitly for Airbnb. Okay. Um, and it was kind of weird I guess I'll put it that way. Um, it turned out being fine, but yeah, the makeshift hotels um, sometimes more make than even shift. Wow. So these are things that uh, had have happened in New York as well, huh? And you're saying there's some parallel to what's happening here in Portland. I think there could be. Yeah. Um, so I posted, and I, I actually wanted to look up because I, I wanted to try to relate this article to Portland. Um, uh-huh. We have our occupancy, PDX's rules for occupancy. Um, so it's listed out uh, with several restrictions. And, and I think the thing, a uh, very small, like my, my synopsis of this article is um, uh, misplaced fear at first, more malign or, or benign fear okay. or malignant fear, excuse me, uh, over malignant. time. 
Oh. Uh, and, and so, or, or malignant practice, I guess I would say. Uh, so, so with this, it's basically, the article goes on to state, like, because Airbnb has been out and has been around so long, um, as you have these large systems, naturally, there will be certain operators or, or people of agency trying to narrow in and completely carve out that market. And so the article posited that it was the length of time combined with lax or, or basically housing laws that aren't able to keep pace with right. the change of industry, uh -huh. uh, which have um, both worked in tandem to, to create the situation which we see today. So it didn't, it didn't necessarily like go out of its way to strictly demonize Airbnb. I uh -huh. think that there's certainly a middle ground somewhere within there. Um, and I feel that more importantly, it's up to each city to find out where they want that middle ground to lie. And in that regard, Portland has actually been doing quite a bit on that front in the last year, year and a half or so. Um, we've got our folks in office, some of whom are renters, also experiencing, um, oh, yeah. you know, things more like most of people in Portland are <laughs> yes. experiencing. Uh, not to say that's <laughs> that's the strict case, uh, but it is interesting to see how Portland reacts and, and more generally how cities are taking this information and choosing to do what they will with it. So New York's actually gone through and cracked down quite a bit on this. Um, but what was a little bit, I guess the, the thing that interested me most about this article was the level of data transparency and, oh, yeah. and just sort of that role between public service uh, or the public sector and the right to know or the need to know um, from private entities that operate in what I would consider is, for the most part, a, 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 a pie slice of the, of the public sphere. Sure. Um, so the article made pretty clear that it was only baseline numbers because they were taken through a data scraping service. And um, I, I'm not sure how much of a grain of salt they should be taken with, but it was clear that a grain of salt should be had when okay. looking at those. And so, it yeah, it'd be interesting to see if... Uh, we get, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road if all of a sudden cities start saying like, yeah, sure, you can operate here, but you've got to show us your books. Right. Like you actually have to show us what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so for Portland's occupancy, um, they have hosts with an accessory short-term rental permit are permitted to occupy a residence for at least 270 days or required to occupy the residence for at least 270 calendar days. Um, and then you're also required to do several... So you can't have... A property that is strictly an Airbnb property? Yes, but on paper. And so that's where the gray zone comes in is, okay. you know, what is counted as or, or how could you theoretically make a case to the city, in, in our case, Portland, um, that you're either there or you're not there. And so this is an issue that New York has faced with larger apartment complexes, landlords or, or um, managers of properties essentially saying, oh, well, I was there. I, I just wasn't in the room. Oh, and so it's okay. a little bit hard to get down into that sure. minutia and, and um, a way to to account for that would be a step towards more accountability overall within that process. Uh, but I think it's an interesting time for Airbnb, a lot of other um, type of sharing sites and sources, because we as a society are basically, I feel, to that point that we, we need to sit down and have some conversations about how we want our communities to look. Sure. I guess uh, that was a long synopsis, <laughs> but uh, there I go. That's great. Um, should we go on to the next article? Take it away. This comes from humantransit.org, which is a site or blog site um, run by... Gosh, Jarrett. I'm sorry, I cannot remember. Jarrett, Jarrett Walker. Yes, Jarrett Walker, who I just think highly of, even though I can't remember his name. 
Just because I can't remember your name doesn't mean I like you any less. <laughs> that includes what's your guys' names again? Fred, you two Bob, in front of me. Uh, John Baptiste. <laughs> John Baptiste. Sorry, sorry, John Luke. <laughs> uh, anyways, this is titled "Excellent Principles for Shared Mobility," and he references a uh, sharedmobilityprinciples.org um, the site. Uh, he says, Robin Chase, the co-founder of Zipcar, is apparently the genius behind a set of shared mobility principles that came out recently. I cannot praise them too highly. Like the founding statements of new urbanism, these principles cut past the noise and confusion of marketing and show what it would be like to deploy new technologies with the goal of humane and civilized urban, urban life not just the goal of personal convenience or profit. Indeed. And these principles are number one, we plan our cities and their mo excuse me. We plan our cities and their mobility together. Two, we prioritize people over vehicles. Over vehicles. Three, we support the shared and efficient use of vehicles, lanes, curbs, and land. Four, uh, we engage with stakeholders. Five, we promote equity. Six, we lead the transition towards zero emission. Towards zero emission. And it's interesting that it doesn't state a zero. So, oh, okay. Public transportation and shared use fleets will accelerate the transition to zero. So they're not saying they're going to do it with vehicles. They're just going to say there there will be vehicles. They'll, yes. they'll just be zero em yes. emission. Uh, seven, we support fair user fees across all modes. Eight, we aim for public benefits via open data. Um, Airbnb, anyone? Anyone? Uh, <laughs> we work towards integration and seamless connectivity and 10 we support that autonomous vehicles in dense urban areas should be operated only in shared fleets only in and that's an important fleets. one i feel like wow. that's it's kind of stuck in at the end there but i feel like that has the biggest uh capacity to disrupt the current zeitgeist of uh autonomous vehicles Trend. yeah 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 it's an interesting Ooh, one i wonder what elon thinks about that i feel like i know what elon would think about that <laughs> <laughs> uh he Elon's a very like you do you kind of kind of fellow, as far as I can tell. Sort of, and he's um, he, he's going to do autonomous. <laughs> uh, speaking of that guy, he had tweeted recently, and maybe this was a fake tweet, but I fell for it anyways. That oh really? He had changed his mind, and that the the tunnels that are currently being dug will prioritize pedestrian and bicycle traffic. Um. Hmm. But, but still have automobiles. So you're saying it was a fake tweet, or I, the? I'm saying I don't know. Oh, maybe okay. it was because it's so out of character. It wouldn't surprise me I if see. it was. I see. Okay. Yeah. He does tend to take left turns um, at the full ninety degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, but I was very surprised at that. I think, um, and I, I guess I had left it off here. One of the things that actually stood out to me most about this article was the focus on using personal vehicles in sort of an opposite fashion in which we currently do. And, yeah. and by that, I mean that the humantransit.org and those principles uh, basically stated that the, the keystone, the priority of use for low capacity slash single occupant vehicles should be those with mobility issues or Ooh. with mobility concerns. And so that yes. kind of flips it on its head and it's saying, right. hey, everybody else. Most people with mobility issues or mobility concerns are relegated 
to a pool. Say relegated, but yeah, yeah. to a, to yeah. a pool, to a transit. Yeah, and yeah. and and what this article is stating are part of these goals, or the 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 teasing out of those is that um, it should actually be the opposite. If you right if on. you've got mobility, um, you know, uh, a mobility problem or a mobility issue, you should be front of the line. Yes. And then, yes. based on a on a collaborative rideshare or, or what will that be, uh, everybody else can can take the I, other option. Yes, I am all for waiting in line. Yeah, I I do it often. It's a fun one. <laughs> uh, can, can be meditative. Uh, lastly, in our headlines, what do we got here? We've got a book review. Yes. So I'll kind of pass this around after I read our excerpt. Uh, Microcosm Publishing may have remembered on a episode just a few months ago, kindly sent us a edition of their classic bicycle coloring book. Uh, and their drawings are by Talia Lempert, who is a New York-based artist. Um, and the statement says, I make portraits of bicycles in my studio in Brooklyn, New York. I first began painting bicycles in 1996, though I've always ridden one. And this is a... Um, Let's see, right about, I'd guess, 80, maybe 90-page coloring book full of uh, Talia's sketch drawings. And I took the opportunity to fill out one Everyone. Oh. oh, gosh, not everyone. <laughs> so that, that, that's getting to my book review. I'm going to pass it around here if anyone would like. Um, coloring books. I was very excited to get this. It was, it was very kind of them. And as usual, my excitement is uh, translated to me waiting a month or two to actually put some drawings <laughs> in it. But what I was so surprised about was this was actually really fun to color. Like this is a this is an enjoyable pursuit. Uh -huh. um, and the drawings contained within, if if we have any retro grouches in the crowd, or if you know a retro grouch and you're looking for something spunky and fun to get them, <laughs> looking Sean, at you, Sean, looking, our resident retro grouch, looking in your direction, Sean. <laughs> These are these are a nice set of drawings. There there are sections to them which are, uh, no, I wouldn't. What's the right word? Mechanically accurate. There are sections which are mechanically accurate. There are sections which are mechanically improvised, and so I, I view it as kind of like the artist statement or the artist perception of of what we would consider to be this style of bicycle. Uh -huh. um, they're all all bicycles true to form, but I, I did notice when I was coloring in the cassette in combination with the derailleur, I was like, oh, that there's another circle or another line that should be there. Oh. And then I thought, wait, I've got a pen. So I just made the line connect. <laughs> um, and life life continued. So um, we'll post a photo of this on yeah. the blog or on the, on the show listing. But if you're looking for what I would say is my favorite coloring book that I've done in the last 20 years, which would make it the fifth coloring book I've participated uh, in. I was going to say, not the only. Though. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, fantastic book. Really, really kind of the folks over at Microcosm. And one that, based on how long it took me to do a few of them, would provide hours of endless entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, these are intricate. They're not, they're not just, you know... A one-off kind no, of thing. No, no. I mean, this this is yeah. this is quality work. These are these yeah. are all original sketches. They they exist in this capacity, and beyond that, uh, you're out of luck. <laughs> is did you find one you'd like to color in, Jean Luc? Um, I don't think I spent a long enough time looking to like <laughs> make a choice, but uh, would, would you color in that book? At some point, is this something that you if, think if somebody you would enjoy? say the Sprocket Podcast gave you a book that was a coloring book of bicycles, would you enjoy coloring bicycles? Um, Loaded question. See now I'm <laughs> now, I, now I'm doing it. 
I think I would enjoy doing it um, with someone else. Okay. Who would also do it. Uh, and then we like pick a page and just do it. Nice. But uh, just by myself, I don't think I would uh, flip through each page and just color. Okay. If if it helps, I found Steven Universe to be a very therapeutic show to watch while coloring this particular book. <laughs> I'm not very familiar with Steven Universe other than I know it's a show. It is indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty good one. It's uh same creators as um Finn, Jake and Finn, what is it? Adventure, Adventure Time. Time yeah. yeah. So if oh, yeah. yeah. So some of the um uh co-writers and also subwriters of Adventure Time went on to get their own show with all of the things that they couldn't put in Adventure Time or or <laughs> weren't able to at that at that juncture um it's it's a gem of a show there's a lot in adventure time if there's something that they couldn't put in adventure time i'd be very like interested mm-hmm. in so yeah. so not to talk like too much about yeah, tv this, and such yeah, weird. uh uh i i do watch it at, uh from a t- time to time but yeah St- steven universe totally one of those shows that you go into it thinking like all right this is like a total waste of my day and then you get like halfway through an episode and you're like, oh, shit, they're dropping bombs left and right of like, who are we? What are we doing here? Why? And how can we treat each other with kindness and compassion? Wow. It's a good show. Really? It gets under your it gets under your skin and it, it stays there in a very nice way. Has it got under your skin yet? Uh, I haven't watched Steven Universe yet, but a lot of people in my class have watched it and they would highly recommend it. Yeah, I'd say it's a great show for adults and all ages alike. Right on. <laughs> well, we may not have a cartoon for adults in all ages alike, but do you know what we do have? What have we got, Aaron? We got mail. Hey, we got mail. Al Lex Lex on Facebook says, "Great show. I love listening to it while at work. Makes my day a lot more enjoyable." How can we get our hands on some kombucha-stained patches for our Corvidae club vests? So I gave them some patches. Did yesterday. we kombucha stain them? And no, he was he was quite upset. That yeah, I, I I'm sure he just chucked these, them on like, the ground. These are these are not kombucha stained at all. These are pristine. <laughs> what is wrong with you? They are they are mostly black. So sometimes it's hard to tell. <laughs> it's hard to tell, right? Um, and this from Keith in Indy. Saw my first fresh tumbleweed on my ride to work last week, which here in Indy means spring is right around the corner, and that means warmer weather. Speaking of spring, I'm leading the spring equinox ride for my band of hooligans, Two Kings Bikes, on March 24th. We've got a good mix of sketchy alleys, illegal dumping grounds, and low-traffic residential streets for the ride. And a secret stop at the end. And we will Ooh. post a link on our show. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. Well. And that is it. That is it. Yes. Jean-Luc, we- thanks for coming in. You're welcome. You got any? Got anything, any nuggets of wisdom to pass along to us? Not really. No. If If you were yourself in 20 years... What would you wish that you had said on this show if you had one last chance to say it? If you were yourself in 20 years, you still would be half my age. That's too much <laughs> math, Aaron. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, oh yeah, school's in session. Nope, we're cool. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I guess I would say I wish my sister were here. I think <laughs> I think she would provide the wisdom that you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, don't sell yourself short there, John Luke. I'm sh- I'm sure you've got plenty. In fact, in fact, I absolutely know it. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you both for coming on the show. Armando, thank you as well. It's been a pleasure to have you, you both. You want to do this? Let's do this. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio. Thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to the Sprocket Podcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurtbird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to sustaining donors Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katrina Melengard. Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie. Justin Martin, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean. Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish. Matt Kelly, Eric Wise, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's, who's a, a time, time traveler. traveler, Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Christy Kaster, Caleb Jacobson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, I'll be home soon, John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Josh Zissen, Richard G., Guthrie Straw, who's sitting right next to me, hello, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regrainery. Campsite Macnurse David, Nathan Poulton. Chris Rossen, Rory in Michigan, Michael Florney. Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman. Mr. T, Harry Hugel, EJ Finner, and it was good to see you the other week at Film by Bike Launch. Oh yeah, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Cato, Keith Hutchinson, thanks for the mail. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Derek Wagner, Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, thanks for the book. David Moore, Todd Grosbeck. Chris Barron, Chris Barron, and Chris Chris Barron. Barron. Sean Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite, Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel, and Dude Luna, who's sitting right here. Yay. <laughs> Matthew Rooks. <laughs> and to all of our former donors who've helped us get this far. Now, brush your teeth. And go to bed. <laughs> <laughs>